Hello, everybody. Welcome to the official Candy Podcast. My name is Ron Kuchler. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Candy Magazine. This is a sports edition of the official Candy Podcast. I'm joined this week by Ted Mayer, who is a former sports agent and is currently the softball coach for the USC women's softball team. Hello, Ted. Hey, how you doing, Ron? I'm doing good, Ted. I'm doing good. Hey, thanks for joining me on this. We go back and forth on Instagram, you and I. We talk about sports a bit because, you know, and, I, and on Twitter because I have a very uh, big opinion about things sometimes. I like making my <laughs> predictions, and you always like to chime in on them. Um, yeah. But before we get to that, I thought we'd talk about uh, about women's softball because I'll be, I know nothing about it other than Jenny Finch. Well, I'm glad you started with Jenny Finch because – uh, she is sort of like the, and I'm going to tie all of this in too, um, with what you do with your magazine and everything too, and how I became such a big fan of softball and, uh, and where it had started and where it is today. Um, because I, I went to school at the university of Arizona where Jenny Finch went to school and I played baseball. So my whole life growing up, I loved baseball, played baseball. My, my dream was to be a pro baseball player. Um, but obviously, you know, none of the odds of that happening are you know, very slim to none. So you always have a backup plan. But, um, but I played baseball at the University of Arizona. I had to, I had to walk on because I, I injured myself in junior college. So um, I wasn't going to get a scholarship with a, with a bad shoulder. But I did... Um, Walk on at Arizona, and the team I was on was BC season ranked number two and a really good team. But I was a you know backup shortstop. Um, and who was the big guy of the team at the time? Well, I, you know it's funny when I got there, um, Arizona had just <clears throat> gone to the College World Series, and Scott Erickson was a pitcher there. J.T. Snow played first base. Trevor Hoffman was a shortstop. Um, and they had just left. Okay, I had a friend. I had a friend that went to U of A at the same time. He played baseball. Oh. He was a pitcher. Oh, he he only it? played one season, I think. Rob Kurtz. Okay, I think he. How old is he now? He he passed away last year because of cancer. Oh. oh. But he's uh, he would have been around fifty. Okay, I'm fifty one. So yeah, he, he, if you play, yeah. So I was. I, you know, I, I basically had, I was a walk-on and, you know, they had three walk-ons. Okay. Uh, you know, Kenny Lofton was there. We, even the, wow. the, head the, head, the head of the major league, Tony Clark, who's the head of the players yeah. association now was on both the basketball team and baseball team. So I walked on, I, um, as a walk-on, you know, they basically said, okay, you, you kind of have a bum shoulder. We, we have a loaded roster. You're, you're basically going to redshirt. And then I came back the next year. And, um, you know, if we had 12 guys drafted and moved on to the pros after that year. And so I, including the shortstop ahead of me, Jason Bates, who went to the Rockies. So I, I thought, Hey, I'm going to be the starting shortstop. I'm ready to go. It's my fifth year in college, senior year. And then the coach, Jerry Kendall was a, you know, an icon, um, really, really nice man called him in his office and he said, Hey, listen, Ted, we love you. You're great. Um, you know, you, you're a walk on and made it, but, we recruited the first team All-American shortstop, junior college shortstop from Minnesota, and he's not going to come here and not play. 
And I'm like, so what does that mean about me? I have to be a backup again? And he goes, well, I put in a call to New Mexico, and you could transfer there, and they're expecting you to go there, and you could play there, you know, at New Mexico. And I didn't want to go. I, did, I was like, you know, three years at Arizona as a fraternity. I loved it there. Um, the women, the parties, it was, it was the best experience you could have going to college because, you know, it's the same reason Rob Gronkowski went to Arizona. He had 300 schools that wanted him to come play football. He picked Arizona because of the pool parties. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I you know, I, I wasn't going to uproot, you know, where I was in school with all my friends and fraternity and, and, you know, finishing up my college degree to go play baseball at a smaller school that I care about. So, but anyways, long story short, you know, I, I, baseball was in my blood. Uh, we had an amazing softball team at Arizona because back then, this is, we're talking 90, 91, 92, 93 is when I went to Arizona. And um, it was UCLA and Arizona softball that were, you know, dominating the sport. And, and, and you think of the, at that time, softball was, you know, when I went to high school, it was like, hey, you know, girls who play softball, basically lesbian, right? Um, big athletic girls, lesbians. Yeah. Um, there weren't there there weren't any quote unquote really hot girls playing softball, and when I but at Arizona when I was there I actually went out with a couple of girl, softball players because they were very attractive you know they would be at a fraternity party like oh this girl's really cute and they're like, oh you play softball and all of a sudden you know I was like wow like we kind of have an, a, a common interest baseball you know the sport of baseball softball basically same thing well I after I graduated. Um, I, I kept following Arizona sports and, you know, in all sports, that's my school and softball and baseball and football. And we're known as a basketball school. Um, and we finally won a national championship in 97, but you know, it was either UCLA or Arizona almost every year going to the, the women's college world series. And usually one of them won it. I mean, basically out of, you know, 30 national championships, I think, you know, 20 were won by UCLA or Arizona at that time. So wow. dominated the sport. So I, you know, I, I was, I was always a fan followed the softball, but then, you know, some, then Jenny Finch showed up and, and, you know, in Arizona went to the national, you know, went to the world series, won the national championship with a pitcher who was tall, gorgeous, um, you know, this beautiful blonde pitcher who went undefeated the entire season and won the national championship, you know, on TV where all these little girls were like, wow, and boys <laughs> were like, wow, she's gorgeous. And she's athletic and, you know, and, and super, super talented and won a national championship. And then all of a sudden the, the sport of softball wasn't just for, you know, lesbian girls or, you know, quote unquote, you know, dykes or whatever they were called. Uh, so, you know, girls started, you know, instead of playing soccer and doing dance and gymnastics, like, hey, I want to play, I want to be like Jenny Finch, I want to play softball. So the, the sport of softball started really growing with Jenny Finch, um, becoming almost the face of it, because here's, you know, and she's married now um, with kids, and, you know, here's a straight girl, pretty girl, like, you know, you don't have to be this, like, unattractive, you know, butch girl to play softball you could be pretty and and do girly things and still be an athlete in this sport and all of a sudden like in the, in the 2000s because of jenny finch more and more girls um attractive girls who could be models were also athletes and playing softball 
And, you know, for the rest of the world, you know, like yourself, Ron, like, you don't, you're not really privy to it because it's, you know, it wasn't really on TV that much. Um, and I, but kept I knew about Jenny that, Finch. I knew about Jenny Finch. Yeah, you did know about Jenny Finch. So, but more and more girls started playing softball and the sport itself started growing because it got more and more popular, started showing up on ESPN, ESPN2, 3, whatever the case, ESPNU. Um, and it's, it has grown in the last 20 years so much because of Jenny Finch that not only, you know, was it East LA and Arizona dominating the sport, but it grew to the SEC, it grew to the ACC, it grew to the Big 12, the Big 10, um, where a lot of the girls that you see playing at Florida, LSU, um, Oklahoma, Alabama, half the roster are girls from Southern California, you know, um, and I've been following this through my whole, my whole life where I just kind of, it's just been my thing. But in the last 10 years, the sport has grown so much that, you know, I just went to the women's college world series, but to get back to how I got into coaching at USC, um, I I've loved the sport because, you know, you watch the game, it's a faster game. The girls are so emotional, um, that, you know, when I play baseball, you, you, you were taught to like not show any emotion, you know what I mean? And, and there's unwritten rules and you don't, you know, run up the score. You don't steal when you're up 12, nothing. And, you know, um, you don't hit a home run and then flip the bat and show up the pitcher. Um, you know, there's a, there's a level of maturity and professionalism in, in the sport of baseball, at least when I was growing up. Well, there was, and, and, yeah, there was, we'll, we'll get to that. But, um, so, but, softball, you know, when I was watching softball, it's just so funny how, you know, a girl makes a diving catch and they, they, they go crazy and they celebrate it. And, you know, a girl makes an error and, and it's like, oh man, she hangs her head, but everyone's there picking her up. And, and it's like little league baseball again, you know, it kind of is. It's a little league baseball, but I mean, a lot more talented, but it's, but that's extremely the, more talented. It's the super the high enthusiasm level. though, the enthusiasm. Yeah. yeah the enthusiasm, it makes the game more exciting where, um, where baseball, like, Someone who's not a baseball fan could watch a game like, hey, this is boring. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. unless it's the World Series or playoffs or, you know, it's a, you know, seven to four game and the bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases loaded, and, the, and Aaron Judge is up who could hit a home run to win it on a walk-off. You know, it's usually kind of boring until you get to those type of moments. But softball, watching it, it's like always exciting because the girls keep it exciting. And every inning, they could be striking out and still cheering each other on. They could, you know, just give up uh, a grand slam and smile about it, which is so different than baseball, you know? And, and, and it's, so it kind of kept the game exciting no matter what was going on. And, and of course, you know, Jenny Finch brought a new light to it to both, you know, pretty girls who wanted to play. And then the males who were like, Hey, I'm watching girls in, you know, these tight uniforms that are pretty sexy playing a sport at a high level and you kind of get the best of both worlds where it's like, Hey, you're watching a game. It's fun and exciting that I love, you know, baseball and all the intricacies that go on, you know, with runners trying to, you know, hit and run or butt runners over, um, the pitcher, you know, is she going to throw a slider? Is she going to throw a change up? But yet I'm watching hot girls play it too. You know what I mean? Um, so you're, you're interested, you know, <laughs> you're constantly interested in it. And it got me excited of the game to where, Arizona, I was following the team, and, you know, in 2007 and 2008, um, another cute blonde pitcher for Arizona 
won the national championship, won back-to-back national championships. And her name's Taryn Mowat. And she was a small, not a six-foot pitcher, like a lot of the dominant pitchers are, but you're just your average five-foot-six, five-foot-five, five-foot-six pitcher that looks like, you know, a pretty surfer girl blonde from Southern California. But yet she was, you know, dominating these these badass, you know, hitters from all these big schools. And and she had to beat Monica Abbott, who is this six foot two lefty dominant pitcher from Tennessee. And she single handedly pitched and this is something that's different than baseball too, is she pitched every inning of the regionals, super regionals and the World Series to win the national championship. So they can do that. They can do that in softball. You can do that. You know, you can do that in softball. I mean, they don't really do that anymore. Softball's starting to turn into baseball, where they have three pitchers now, and they have relief pitchers, and they they'll switch off starters. But back then, you had a pitcher who could throw 150 pitches a game, and they could throw two or three games a day. Um, without so let's let's bring this back to what you know what guys care about and compare it to baseball. Yeah. And and so she's on the mound. She's what 45 feet out. Yeah, 40. So. The time it takes from a time it leaves the mound to get to home plate is it the same as a baseball sixty feet apart. Well, a girl could throw a, a girl a, a hard throwing pitcher in softball could wing it about seventy miles per hour to home plate from that distance, which is the equivalent to baseball of a hundred a hundred and five miles per hour. So, say sixty eight mile per hour fastball in softball is about a. 98 mile, 97 mile per hour fastball in, okay. in baseball. Okay? okay, so we're not. I mean, trust me. When I remember when I was in high school, like we, you know, the softball pitcher, we had a dominant softball pitcher in my high school, and she challenged the baseball team the 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 bat against her. I'm like, oh, <laughs> softball, come on. She struck all of us out. She struck really? all of us out. Um, because it's just we're not used to the timing of it being so much closer, you know, and the speed is is pretty fast. So, but anyways, um. I, you know, when I worked as a sports agent, um, you know, I worked with like big names like John Elway and Scottie Pippen, um, and I, globe trotters, Olympic athletes. I had athletes of all different sports, you know, X game athletes and, you know, different types, but I did have a couple of softball players. And one of them, um, was Taryn Mowat, the pitcher from Arizona who won two ESPY awards for best female athlete of the year and best female performance of the year. Oh, wow. So she was at the ESPY. She won the net, you know, Peyton Manning gave her an ESPY, you know, handed the ESPY to her and uh, she won two ESPY. So I started working with her because you look at her, she's from Southern California. She looks like she could be a surfer girl. She looks like she could be a model, but she was this, you know, national championship pitcher for Arizona in uh, the following kind of in the footsteps of Jenny Finch from like seven, eight years prior. Um, and I was trying to get her, you know, appearances in some shows and commercials and endorsement deals and things like that. But she went on to be a pro, you know, uh, softball player. And then, which, which is a whole nother story. There's only like eight teams. And then she went on to coaching and she was coaching at Ole Miss as a, as a pitching coach. And then she finally called me up one day and said, Hey, I got my dream job at Arizona back at her alma mater. And and so she was like, this is my dream job. This is what I'm going to do uh, full time. So, you know, you don't have to worry about trying to get me endorsements or things like that. Like, I, I don't, I don't have time for that. And she hung up the phone with me. And I thought to myself, I was like, hey, being a talent agent and, you know, trying to get people on movies and TV shows and, 
magazines and things like that has been my dream job. But I would love to coach women's softball because I love the game, you know, baseball. Um, a lot of my buddies I played with in college went on to be coaches, but it took them years and years of working their way up to getting to, you know, being a head coach somewhere or getting somewhere in the, in the minor league systems or whatever. You know, and at my age, I didn't have time for that. So four years ago, I um, reached out. I had an intern at, at my office that went to USC. I said, how come USC doesn't have a Division One softball team? Um, where UCLA, the rivals, has been dominating the sport for 30 years. My school, Arizona, has been dominating the sport. The Pac-10, now the Pac-12, has, you know, nine teams out of the 12. How come USC is one of the teams that doesn't? Because you would think USC, Southern California, is where the majority of the talent comes from from all these schools that have great softball players. 50 to 60% of them come from Southern California. <laughs> so I believe it. I believe it. It's amazing. So my intern comes back and reports back to me. Says, yeah, we don't, I don't understand why we don't have one either, but we do have a club team. I go, what's that? Uh, well, it's basically like a JV team. We play other schools, JV teams. Um, and there's students at the school, but, but it's not a, you know, it's not a division one team. So I go, oh, okay, give me their information. I reached out to the team. I go, who's your guys' coach? They said they didn't have one. So I said, Clubs you don't have, have one. Coach. Yeah. yeah. Don't, have, don't have coach. So I, I reached out. I mean, they can have coaches if they want it, but, um, yeah. So I reached out to them. I go, well, who coaches you guys? They're like, well, we just have one of the parents coaches their base at, at the games, but we don't have a coach. I, I asked if they wanted the coach. They said, yeah. So now I, I coached them, you know, um, in, the, in the, my first full season, we went to the actual uh, club, club softball World Series. And we played teams like Clemson and Michigan and Michigan State and uh, Air Force and Northwestern and um, you know, Florida, Florida State. So, um, so yeah, that's how I got involved as coaching the USC softball team. It's a club team. We play UCLA, Fullerton, Irvine, San Diego State, uh, Grand Canyon, and NAU in our in our conference in our division. Um, and the year we went to the World Series, we won our division. We went up to the playoffs and we played Oregon and Irvine and Merced that won their conferences or their divisions in Northern the Pacific North, Pacific Central, we're in the Pacific South. And then we won that and we went to Atlanta and the one, you know, 16 teams went to Georgia and uh, we got to go. So wow. that's my whole softball, um, you know, history. Uh, I just got back about three weeks ago from the NCAA division one women's college world series, because I had never been before and Arizona made the world series and, you know, Oklahoma and UCLA. I think we had uh, Alabama uh, Georgia, um, JMU, who had a pitcher that became a star from this because uh, she's African American. There aren't too many African Americans in the sport, but um, that's surprising. Yeah, um, and that you know that's and that's something that's um, she brought light to a lot of African American girls who now watched her on. Um, it was the most watched College World Series for women's softball um, ever, and the sport keeps growing and growing. It actually beat out. I hate to say this, Ron. Some of the NHL playoff games <laughs> <laughs> on the ratings. Um, oh, that's ESPN. <laughs> yeah, so that's a whole other story. But, but yeah. So they, I listen. I, I've, 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 I love the game. Um, it, it's grown so much, and I think it'll continue to grow. 
Um, you know, it's, I, I feel like it's, you know, at, at the college level, it's a little bit more exciting, um, than baseball sometimes, and obviously baseball. I, 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 could, I could see that. So I'm going to chime in with two points on this, okay? Because sure. one's my favorite sport into the whole equation. That's all. That's, that's hands off, you know? Um, but the other thing is I have an Arizona connection, okay? Okay. My, my sister went to Arizona. She never attended a class. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I guess what happened is when she got there, she came down with kidney stones, and oh. uh, they couldn't diagnose what it was. And um, and so what wound up happening is that she had really bad kidney stones. She wound up going to the hospital and everything like that. And my father flew out and um, packed her up and took her back to, to New York. So so that was that's my Arizona connection. But that's only one part of the Arizona. The second part of my Arizona connection was, uh, you know who Emily Sears is, right? Of course. Okay. Uh, did you attend the uh, the Emily Sears? cover release party for candy that was held at confidential it was also our uh video uh rap party that for our candy video that we did it was 2012 did you attend that i would be mightily shocked if i didn't i'm pretty sure i did i mean okay. it's kind of kind of um all your parties are amazing and i definitely confidential yeah i've been there for any event like that so i'm pretty sure i was there well, I didn't attend that one. Uh, I was in Arizona that day because the woman that I had dated, her daughter was graduating from the University of Arizona. Oh, wow. So I, so I, so that event, that party I heard was amazing, which I didn't attend. <laughs> and, well, uh, but I was in Arizona attending a graduation, and her daughter actually was a soccer player. She was, when she was a uh, sophomore in high school, she had gotten a uh, full-ride offer to play soccer at the U of A. So, cool. So, so you've seen the campus. You see what it's like. You kind of, like, uh, you know, and for me, you know, I played baseball um, and football. And to be honest, like, I thought I was a better football player um, in high school, but I was so small. I was, I, I was a late bloomer that none of the big schools recruited me. And if I was going to play football in college, I wanted to be big time. The only okay. big school that was looking at me was Cal. But baseball-wise, like, you know, I, I, I decided, like, you know, I had a lot of schools, you know, University of San Diego, um, just a lot of little schools that were interested in me to come play for them. But, you know, if I was going to play college sports, I wanted to be at a big-time school. So I, I, I went to junior college instead to kind of, you know, get grow. I actually put on, like, you know, 15, 20 pounds. I grew a couple more inches. Um, I know I was a late bloomer, but um, that yeah. got better. I just, you know, so I went two years of junior college, played baseball, and now I was ready to transfer somewhere and i narrowed down my choices to florida arizona and then my two in-state schools were san diego state and cal state fullerton and i then i realized florida was just too far from my family in california to go across the country um so it was between arizona san diego state and cal state fullerton and arizona and fullerton you know had just been in the college world series numerous times in the, in the late 80s and the early 90s, um, or late 80s, because this is now 1990. Um, so I was a little intimidated for those. And San Diego State wasn't really known for baseball. And they also had a, the major I wanted. So I ended up choosing San Diego State, um, did my orientation, talked to the coach. He said, yeah, you know, um, we know you're injured. So, no, you know, they're not going to give out scholarships to people that are injured. 
so they said, you know, come, come down, you'll walk on and we'll make sure your arm's good to go. And then you'll, you know, you can make the team. I had a cousin in Tucson and said, Hey, wait, I thought you were coming to Arizona to check it out. I go, well, I made my decision. You know, did you even come to Arizona to look? I go, you know what? The odds of me making the team there and, you know, or Fullerton are going to be tough. San Diego State was, you know, it's San Diego and it's going to be, you know, easier for me to play baseball there. He's like, oh, come on, man. You got to come out and visit Tucson. I go, well, I, I made my decision. And he's like, no, come visit me for the weekend. I'll show you around and then you can make your final decision. So I went to Tucson. He picked me up from the airport. He drove, he drove me to the campus and I fell in love with it. It was like, oh, it's an amazing campus. It's amazing. It's like being a resort. You know, if you remember the movie, you know, Revenge of the Nerds and the movie yeah. Can't Box Love, both shot there. Um, you know, I, I fell in love with the place. You know, there was, you know, girls in bikinis all walking around the campus like it was a resort. And I, and then he took me up to the foothills where the, you know, the football team was having a party and they, you know, welcomed me with open arms and, hey, go, go out in the pool. You know, the cheerleaders are out there playing volleyball and they're like, Come in, Ted. Come jump in, uh, you know. And they really recruited me hard, and I changed my mind and went to Arizona instead. No, good. Yeah, it's a great campus. I, I, I mean, I, I wish I knew about it when I was looking at colleges. You know, to be honest <laughs> with you. So I wound up going to Denver, uh, <clears throat> which was a beautiful campus anyway. Uh, sure, Denver. Uh, so, so the Women's World Series just wrapped up, and uh, who won that? So Oklahoma Sooners won the national championship. Okay, it's third one that they've won in the past 10 years. So they have now are becoming a powerhouse in the softball world. Half the roster are girls from Southern California. Um, they, they beat Florida state uh, in a three game series. Florida state had, to, they both actually had to come through the losers bracket, which was the first time that's ever happened. How's that happen? How's that happen? Well, there's two sides of the bracket and Oklahoma Lost to James Mad- JMU, the James Madison, who had the African American pitcher, um, and then Florida State lost their first game to uh, Oklahoma State, and they both had to come back because you don't get eliminated until you know you lose two games. So they both had to win out and knock out every other team you know around them that they played twice. So. Um, but they but they're the losers it. bracket, so don't they meet up because they both lost, and all the person oh, yeah. in the winners bracket goes to the final. Uh, no, the, they knocked out the two teams in the winners bracket. They both did, so they both came into the the, the final series with one loss, which has never happened before. Wow. Um, and they both so, but then they start new and they play a three game series in which Oklahoma lost the first game. And Florida State was up one nothing, and Oklahoma had to come back and win the last two games okay. um, there to win it. And there's a, the stadium seats thirteen thousand fans. They they added an upper deck now. The place was electric. It was so much fun being there. And it's kind of unfortunate for all the other teams that are there because Norman is in Oklahoma City. Norman is about twenty five minutes away, so it was like a home game for any time Oklahoma was playing because it was right. definitely a biased you know crowd. Gotcha. And, and, and the World Series for baseball is going on right now in Omaha. It's going on right now in Omaha, Nebraska. And, um, Who's yeah, going to win that? It's, it's kind of up for grabs, man, I, which is which is kind of exciting. I mean, Arizona baseball made it, and we already did the 1-2 in a barbecue. 
<laughs> which means they played two games and uh, they're done. They lost both, and now they're at the barbecue enjoying the rest of the weekend, but um, or the week. But no, um, you know Vanderbilt's uh, one of the top teams, but they lost the game, and they're in the losers bracket now. And um, it's it's anybody's really. It's it's you know Stanford. Is that normally, the case uh, is it normally a toss-up, or is it normally like one or two teams are going to win it? You know what? With with baseball, like the number one team in the country was Arkansas. And they didn't even make it to the World Series because, you know, it's just like football. Any given Sunday, somebody could beat you. Um, so that's what, you know, kind of makes it wow. exciting. So I, I would say Vanderbilt is is the um, the favorite or the highest ranked team in, in it, but they've already lost the game. So Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that where Leiter goes to school? Jack Leiter? Yeah. yeah. He lost. one nothing. Yeah. He lost one nothing, but he struck out. 15 batters. I saw that, and, yeah. Yeah, and he gave up a home run, and that was the only run of the game. So, yeah, you got to bring some offense, no matter, you know, they, and they have great pitching with Leiter and, um, I can't remember, uh, Rocker is the other kid. Oh, um, John Rocker's kid? No, not John Rocker, but, um, he's an after American, he looks like a football player. He should okay. be like a lineman, but, um, okay. but yeah. So this, rem- so, so this Jack Leiter getting no run support reminds me of Jacob DeGrom with the Mets in the previous seasons. Where he oh. got no, no run support. Yeah. Really different this year, man. Oh, the the Grom is just lights out this year, and yeah, I feel bad for the guy for previous years not getting the run support, but um, he's getting a little bit better this year. And I mean, how about I mean, how many starts does he have? Thirteen, fourteen, or something? And he's got a point zero point five zero ERA, which is unheard of. I know. So, so, but here's the deal. So, I'm a Mets fan. I, I grew up. I grew up a Mets fan. I used to go to Shea Stadium. I used to take the the subway to the to the to Shea. My dad was an usher at Shea, so Seaver's my idol. Um, so I grew up a Mets fan, and I I respect what uh, what Degrom is doing this year. But I think it's premature to put him in the same category as Gibson. And the reason I say that is because back in the day, Gibson would go nine innings. DeGrom goes five, six innings, okay? And he's still dominant. But that last, those last two or three innings, I mean, you play baseball. Yep. You, you wear down, you know? Oh, definitely. Like, and I'm glad you're bringing this up because I, I think that's something you and I agree about. As, uh, you know, it's hard to compare, you know, Barry Bonds with Babe Ruth or Joe Montana with Tom Brady or Michael Jordan with LeBron James. I mean, you can, and people do, but we're talking about different eras, different times where the sport is different or the, uh, our health is different or just, you know, the game is different. Um, yeah, as far as pitchers are concerned right now, like the game of baseball is so different in that the starters, you know, they, to get the win, they have to go five innings. So they go five, and they're like, okay, anything else beyond that is bonus. So yeah. if they get the sixth inning in, great. If they get seven in, even better. And then you bring in your your uh, your middle relievers to kind of bridge it to the closer who comes in the ninth inning. Yeah. And, and, yeah, pitchers like, you know, Bob Gibson and Don Feller and, and all those guys back in those days, and even in, you know, even the 70s with the, you know, Tom Seavers, like they had a category called complete games. Remember that? Yeah. And, yep. and, and if you, 
the starting pitcher is like, hey, look, I'm my plan is to come in and pitch every four or five days and throw all nine innings. And if I'm having a good day, that's the plan. You know, and if things are going well, that's the plan. You know, if you start getting tired, you're getting roughed up, or the third time through the lineup, or the fourth time through the lineup, they're starting, you know, starting to hit the ball around. You're not really, you know, faking them out anymore. Then you pull them and you put in a reliever to kind of throw them off. You know, but but I agree with you. You like, you know, today's and and not just the pitchers, but the hitters, um, yeah, the hitters too. And you know, and I, you know, to open up a can of worms. I, you know, I played baseball. I was taught a certain way. You know, and you know, people argue about the unwritten rules. But what I loved about the game was that you know there is a a sense of professionalism and respect. You respect the game. The game is bigger than the player. Um, you know, the game always wins. You know what I mean? And it's and it's a humbling game. You know, like literally the best players in baseball fail seven out of ten times. So um, it's a very humbling game, and it keeps you, you know, humble. You should be humble. Not, not that you can't celebrate when you win the game or hit a walk-off home run or, you know, the excite, you know get excited when it's time to get excited. But when it's not that time, you got to be respectful of the game and the people playing it. And we're all on the same field, sharing the same field, sharing, playing the game that we all love and, and be respectful about it. So when you when you have you start having these um, you know not to jump on millennials but like these millennials playing baseball now and the the one that really got me was Yastel Puig you know he really would upset me and I get it the millennials love you know guys like that and now Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, because I get it as a kid you're playing the game you're having fun and as a kid you're like excited about making plays and but as you get older and you understand the game of baseball especially pro baseball there's like unwritten rules and i'm not trying to defend the unwritten rules i'm just saying that they're there and they're there for a reason to respect the game and the people who played it before us and played it before them and are currently playing it but yasal pui was very kind of disrespectful of a lot of the unwritten rules and and you know nowadays like and I get it. The game is changing. The, the players are changing. Um, people are changing. Uh, I get so mad at millennials. But at the same time, I have to catch myself because it's really not their fault. They're just taught that way. And that's all they know. You know what I mean? I wish yeah. they knew how it was back then because it, it, it's a, it was a different game. I mean, you see Fernando Tatis, you know, hop, skip, and a jump and throw his bat 75 feet in the air when he hits a home run. Like, that would not fly in our day. And, you no, know, not at all. Not at all. And you would get dosed. Like, I, you know, and I get so mad. I'm watching games. I'm like, what the frick? Like, you know, like, <laughs> if I was a pitcher, I'm like, man, the next pitch is in the next guy's back. Or the next time he comes up the bat, he's getting in in the back. Just, and it's not to be rude or mean. It's just be respectful. You know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. it's like, it's just disrespectful. Like, it's like dancing on someone's grave or peeing on their grave. Like, hey, have some respect. Just well, walk I, around. I think- I think that when it comes to um, comparing players from different eras, I, I think I figured out an argument, and it's not even an argument, but a, a, a point of view that that maybe can help resolve this whole thing when people are comparing Jacob DeGrom to Bob Gibson or Sandy Koufax or Tom Seaver, Nolan Ryan, Greg Maddox, and whatnot, is that those guys back in the day, they were expected to go nine innings. We agree on that. 
You're going to go nine innings. So you have to conserve your energy to go nine innings, right? Yeah. Okay. If they knew back then they were only going five or six innings, they're going all lights out like Jacob deGrom throwing 100 miles an hour, 101, 102 for five or six innings. You're absolutely 100% correct. I mean, it's such a different mindset going into these games knowing like, oh, you know, and, and, um, I mean, if you could make one rule change, yeah. and we'll get to the spin right in a second, but if, but if you can make one rule change to baseball right now, I have mine, what would yours be? Uh, well, I like the fact that they, you know, because of the COVID year, they had to make some changes, and that, you know, to bring in a relief pitcher, which drove me crazy, they come in and throw two pitches or throw the one batter and then switch a pitcher, and they have to throw at least three batters. I like that, you know what okay. I mean? But, uh, and I get having the DH and 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 having more excitement with um, with offense, you know, with pitchers not hitting. But uh, I, you know, I don't know. Like I, I need something to get it more exciting and then speed it up, and also have more of the players accountable, um, either for their actions or for for them, you know, playing the game. So. What is what is your what is your rule? You know that's a great thing that you brought up as far as the length, the time, the speed of the game, and obviously there would be a rule. I would see like to see a rule change when it comes to that. But my rule change would be was to get rid of the body armor. <laughs> right. I, I was watching the game last night. The guy leaned right into it. He's like, I hit right on his elbow. He's like, oh, take first base. Yeah, he's got the elbow pad. He's yeah. Like, okay, I'm not. He's Barry not. Bonds, thank you very much. No wonder you're so freaking good. You're not afraid about getting hit because you got body armor on. They've got yeah. They got shin pads. They got their uh, elbow pads. Their their get rid of it. wrist pads. They got you know now they've got face masks and all this shit. Like basically, and then I agree. Like uh, you know, and then and, and then the pitchers get warnings if they get throw inside. It's just like yeah, and like. If he's standing over the plate, you're gonna get you're gonna get hit, or you're gonna get you know at least you know brushed back, and and that's that because it's how fair is it for a pitcher like you know has to throw it you know and the strike zone is so small nowadays it's like in, insane yep. but but no I I agree with you get rid of the armor um you that would change so the batter's guys. approach that would totally change the batter's approach oh definitely they would be jumping out of the way or not be on the plate so much which would help the pitchers. Now let me let me ask you this, which is I'm ex- I'm excited for this. I mean I know this is not, um, and the reason I'm I'm excited about what's going on now with the pitchers is hey like with all the rule changes helping the hitters, um, it's not fair to the pitchers, right? Even the steroid era, you know, it's like oh it's not fair to the pitchers. Well, you know I think some of the pitchers took steroids too. Now maybe they're not as big as McGuire and Canseco, but. They throw harder. They have more durability, et cetera. Durability. It gave them durability. Yeah. Gave them faster recovery time, et cetera. But, yeah. but right now, with, with what's going on, and I think you tweeted about it the other day, um, is, you know, with, with them coming <clears throat> coming down on the pitchers with the sticky stuff on the ball. Now, I'm all about, you know, making it as fair as possible of the game. You know what I mean? Like, have respect for the game. You know, with the whole Houston Astros cheating scandal and stuff like that. Now, there's a gray area. You know what I mean? We play. I play baseball. Like we, if if someone is giving a sign, like a one fastball, two curve, you know, and we see it, we're gonna say, hey, 
that's a fastball coming, dude. Like, be ready for it. Because right. that's just part of the game. Like, it's, it's, is it cheating? Well, a little bit. But if you're going to make it so blatant, like, hey, one fastball, two curve, it's not really cheating. It's more like, you know, an, uh, um, an advantage, right? So that's why you have all these signs. You know, the base coaches give all these, you know, 700 different signs. That's why you see in college all the wristbands and all the numbers. Um, because you got to be able to have to communicate on the field without the other team seeing what's going on. So, but, you know, to have the Astros use <clears throat> to go out of their way to cheat, it was, it was a whole other story. So that's where I fit, sit on this pitching, um, you know, situation now with pitchers using, like, hey, look, if you're sweating and it helps you, you know, get the ball grip faster and better, good for you. But if you have to go out of your way to use, you know, you remember like Bill Nequo used to do Gaylord Perry, you know, would have the Vaseline on their lid and like, you know what? Yeah, that that's that's kind of blatant cheating. But like, if you can get away with it, that's, you know, good for you. But if you get caught, yeah, it's cheating. Like, yeah, but his get- ERA was still over three. He wasn't striking out 300 guys. You know what I mean? No, I know. So that's why I'm saying like, I'm, I'm all for the pitcher's. I, I was laughing yesterday when all the umpires were like, you know, checking their lids and checking. Oh, their I know. Lids. Because look, stop. Com- the pitchers were complaining like, "Hey, this is not fair." What do you mean it's not fair? You're in the major leagues. Like, if you have to cheat to like beat people, then maybe you shouldn't be in the major leagues. Like, that's what I tweeted. Yeah, that's what I tweeted. Yeah. yeah, and I agree with that because look, that's not fair to the to the pitcher who didn't cheat. You know what I mean? And who probably could admit to the major leagues. And could have struck out major league batters, but they are not cheating. You know what I mean? And if you have to use, you know, stick them or this or that, you know, to get an advantage over the hitters, no, that's cheating. Here's my other problem is Pete Pete Alonso came out and said that he wants pitchers to keep using it because if that means that they're going to have better control of the ball and, and, and he won't get hit, then keep on cheating. Well, hey, Pete, you know what? There's never been an epidemic of, of, of hitters getting hit by pitchers, okay? So this is not a problem that's related to these guys. It's just cheating, you know? It's what it comes down to. So they don't need to stick them you know, for that purposes, because it's not like they have wild control all the time. It, it, they don't get hit. You guys don't get hit that much. I, I agree with you with that. Like, and I was surprised that Pete Alonso came out and said that. And I feel like he, he came out and said that, um, because it was almost like a guilt trip. Like he's defending the pitchers because the hitters have been, had such a, an unfair advantage with all the rule changes and the strike zone being smaller and the balls being juiced and, you know, all stuff that I almost feel like he's little, he feels guilty. Like, Oh my God, you know, like, you know, batting 300 was amazing in the major leagues. Hitting 20 home runs was amazing in the major leagues. Um, before, you know, in the seventies and eighties, but now, you know, you're, if you don't hit 40 home runs, like you're you're average, you know what I mean? If you're not hitting three, you know, 20, you're average. So it's, I'll, there's what there's a there's a point that he made. There's a point that Trevor Bauer made, and, and I'll, I'll concede this point to them. MLB shares its responsibility because they like you, they keep tinkering with the baseball, you know, and that's true. And so, like you said, back in the seventies and eighties, you didn't have these outrageous statistics. So why not just go back to what the baseball was like back then? I would love that because. 
because uh, going back to millennials, like, and again, I'm not hating on them. I, I do hate on them, but but it's not their fault because they they have no control over when they were born and what they're taught and what they know now. But it drives me crazy for us that are our age because we we saw amazing athletes and great. You know, Will Clark, I grew up in San Francisco, so Will Clark, Will the Thrill Man, he had such a beautiful swing and, you know, hit 20 to 25 home runs and was a stud hitter. And, you know, Tony Gwynn with the Padres, a stud hitter, but they weren't hitting 40 home runs and batting 350 and they didn't care about the launch angle and all that crap and the ball wasn't juice. I, I feel like it's doing all the, the hitters and players of the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and even 90s a disservice with the juice ball and it, it just drives me crazy watching a baseball game now where it's like, Hey, you're down by one run and they, you know, the leadoff guys on first, you know, bunt them over or do yeah. a hit and run or steal, but get the guy in, in scoring position. Oh, you, oh, 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 a wild pitch. Oh, he's down at second. Okay, great. Now the hitter, you know, hit the ball to the right side or, or bunt them over or, you know, take the ball to the right side or, you know, instead, these guys are all striking out, trying to hit home runs. I'm like, what are you doing? It's just, it, it, it's frustrating for someone who played baseball with um, more of a genuine, you know, uh, feel for the game, um, where it was more of a game. strategy. There's no strategy. That's like that's why people like that's why people that are traditionals like myself don't like the DH because you, all of a sudden you're taking out strategy out of the game. You know, the pitcher is not going to be up to a bunt, you know, type of deal. So. Uh, you can't. You got. You're not concerned about doing double switches, you know, and and stuff like that. And that's what makes the game exciting to to fans. Oh, is he gonna double switch? He's got a double switch. What's he gonna do? You know, you don't do that in the American League. You know? No, it, that's that's the beauty of strategy. You know what I mean? Is is um, trying to out strategize the other manager or the other team. Um, I try. That's what I love about softball too. Is like it's such a faster, smaller game that the one little mistake or one little hesitation could cost, you know, you a base runner, could cost you a run, or, you know, it, it's, it's, it's so intense that every little move that happens on the on softball field, because it's so small and it's so much faster, like a ground ball to short, if, if, you're, if you don't charge it or if it's not hit hard enough, is, a, is, is the girl safe if she's fast? You know what I mean? If you, don't, you, know, if you bobble it, safe. If you, you know, juggle it, safe. Um, it, and it's those a, exact same reasons are why I love hockey so much. It's because <laughs> the slightest mistake can change the game. You know? Precisely, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. And and that's what's driving me crazy about the game of baseball, especially Major League Baseball, where they just all they care about is their launch angle and you know how many home runs they could hit. They, you know they're striking out 150 times, you know, a, a season, and you know just. Well, you, you did notice, like, uh, since they announced this whole crackdown on this, strikeouts are down, batting averages are up, yeah. you know, so maybe we'll have more of a traditional game the rest of the year, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see, you know, uh, so who do you have, so like, so at the beginning of the year, I, you know, I make my predictions, right, at the, at the yeah. beginning of the year, and I've done pretty well over the years, <laughs> um, well, yeah. Kind of surprising to be honest with you. So, <laughs> well, yeah. but uh, what? Uh, so, who's your NL National League MVP right now? Oof. You know, uh, that's a, that's that's tough because um, 
we have some surprising players and some surprising teams. But uh, I, and I'm a, I'm a traditionalist of, of you know MVP usually goes to the guy who's leading his team um, to be playing better than than they should be. Yes, uh, I agree. Like like the San Francisco Giants, right? But um, but I, I'm I'm going to go back to a pitch. I'm going to go back to Jacob Degrom. I mean, if he keeps playing like this for the rest of the year, um, you know, and I, I'm 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 such a traditionalist that I don't like a pitcher winning MVP. I I, I think there's a Cy Young award for them for that. Um, but if he keeps playing the way he's playing, I, I could, you know. I could see that happening. I mean, I, I guess. I think you've got to put a caveat in there. One, he, like you said, he has to keep performing at the level he's performing at. Two, the Mets have to win the division. Okay? Yeah, yeah. If, if either thing doesn't happen, then he's not a candidate. Okay? You know, there are people who look at the MVP and they say, well, it's the person with the best statistics. And that's right now is Fernando Tatis, right? So he's got uh, he's, uh, home runs and RBIs. He's up there. So uh, myself, uh, uh, I think DeGrom is right now the most valuable player to a team because if you took him out of that Mets rotation as, as with as many injuries they've had, they would not be in first place. They would they would they would be ten games under five hundred. He holds it together. Um, at the beginning of the year, I said it would be Ronald Acuna. Which oh. was was what, and and I looked at the statistics earlier, and he's up there. He's up. He's right behind Tatis. Oh yeah, no. He, I mean, obviously Tatis and him are are you know leading the way as far as the top young players in the National League. They they're the you know they're the millennials' favorites because they're very flashy. They wear you know a lot of you know guard pads and they wear fluorescent colors and they flip bats and they do backflips and they you know dance around the bases and it's they're 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 definitely becoming the face of of baseball, which you and I have just spent the last 20 minutes, you know, uh, not being happy about, but, uh, no, I, I mean, obviously if the Padres go, come, come, come out as, as the, not, you know, they beat the heavily favored Dodgers and the surprising giants for first place. And Tatis still has those highest numbers, you know, it's, he'll end up winning it, you know, and if the yeah. Braves could, you know, you know, make a rush and, and end up winning it and, and Acuna, numbers are better than Tatis at the end of the season and he'll probably end up winning it. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of, because of the internet and social media and, and, and look, there's so many, like, you know, I'm flipping to the channels and it's June and there's like the NFL network. I'm like every day they have NFL live for an hour. I'm like what in the hell can they possibly talk about football when there's nothing going on? They always find something to talk about or somebody's, you know, chances this year or the new well, that's how the NFL that's how the NFL has mastered the art of the media nope. to capture our attendance. They have been the yeah. best at it of any major sport, no and question about it. So. Definitely. And, and they are number one and, and people are interested year round because of that. And um it, it, and it's that's the area we're in. And that's what I'm saying is like you have a Tatis or a Kuda that, you know, um will overshadow Others like I look at the Giants, right? And the San Francisco Giants were, you know, again a scrappy team. They have some leftovers from the World Series teams that you know haven't performed in recent years, and it's like, eh, you know, they're the last place team, you know, you know. But 
it's amazing that the run that they've been doing and, and it's not one player, you know, I, I'm super excited about Yastrzemski, but he hasn't really been that great this year. He's had some, you know, some big hits, but Posey's back in the, you know, his rare form. Oh, Posey's huge. I mean, he's having a phenomenal year at Posey, so. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And so that's what I'm saying. Like if, if the Giants somehow, <laughs> you know, overshadow the, the Dodgers and Padres and win out the West, it, you almost, it's not one player though. It's a, it's a team effort. It's the coach, you know, is oh, the coach. We get coach of the year. No question about that. Yeah, definitely. Know. I mean, you're, you, I'm, I've got, I see players, you know, having phenomenal games I've never heard of before on that team. And, and how he's piecing it together is, is, is beyond me. And, and they're winning, you know, so. That's kind of what's going on with the Mets, even though they're not winning at the same percentage as the Giants. Is that, I mean, they, they were missing like six regulars from their lineup. It's like, I think they were down to, at one point, uh, Lindor and uh, Alonzo or Smith as their only regulars in the lineup or something. It was just ridiculous at some point in number of injuries, but now they're coming back healthy, so it's the same way. Um, in American League, I would have to go with Guerrero. I think it's a slam dunk for him in American League for MVP, so... He's a beast, and and if he keeps up this pace, yeah, I agree with you. Um, it, it's just it's just unfortunate that his team. Um, now again, like you know, what happens if his team, you know, ends up in third or fourth place, or uh, you know, if they make a run, you know, at the AL East and and are in the conversation, you know, in the last month of the season, yeah, he's gonna and he keeps up his pace. I think they'll win it too. I agree. With yeah, you. I mean, if it's if it's close at the end of the year and they don't make the playoffs and they wound up, like you said, third or fourth place, then maybe he loses out to whoever was close to him. But if he keeps doing what he's doing at this level, I mean, I, I don't see how you don't give it to him. I I, I really don't. Uh, yeah, I was, I was uh, lucky enough to see him play actually live uh, Friday night uh, a couple a few nights ago. I was in Baltimore for work and. Um, that's a beautiful ballpark, huh? Out in the Orioles, yeah, Orioles Blue Jays game, and uh, and he hit three to the fence, but he he missed. Obviously, he got jammed off the end of the bat. But I was like, damn, like he missed those, and they all three of them almost went out of the park, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I heard that his first at bat the next day, he hit a home run. So he's on fire. Well, I've noticed a couple things with the baseball this year. Like I've noticed, like when I when the guy hits it, I'm like, oh, that's out. And it's a yeah. long track. I was like, oh, they've definitely deadened the ball this year. Just and enough. Thank God, because, like, you know, my brother played, you know, professional pro, pro baseball, and he's not happy with how the... Oh, know, Tab did? What? Tab? Uh, Tabor. Tabor. Tabor, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he played uh, five years with the St. Louis Cardinals minor league system. Okay. And then one year with the Texas Rangers. But, uh, Pretty cool. Yeah, he's frustrated when he sees guys get, you know, jammed or pop that up, and all of a sudden it's gone. He's like, what the hell is that? There's no way. <laughs> you know? Bring it back, guys. Bring back the real baseballs. Let's, uh, let's make it real. So let's 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 wrap up. Let's uh let's criticize Ron's World Series pick. But, you know you know, I, you know I make my picks before the season starting all the sports, right? Yeah. So, so do you remember who I picked? I want to commend you for your uh, hockey picks, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a huge hockey fan because I I grew up in San Jose. The Sharks weren't there until after I went to college. But um, but I think it's just for hockey, it's just odd to see. Like Vegas and Tampa Bay, two hot, warm city, you know, hockey teams. Yeah, making making it to the semifinals all the time. But um, 
but yeah, who I, I didn't I don't have it in front of me, but who were your picks for the World Series again? Okay, so I have the Padres. Oh, and again, these are not homework picks because that's the one thing about me. I'm like I'm a Mets fan, right? So yeah, yeah. So so I took I got this year. I got the Padres over the Yankees, and the Yankees are not looking too good. No. And uh, the Giants, the Giants, like you said, they're a sleeper. They could possibly do it if they keep playing the way they are. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just waiting for the, you know, for them to hit reality. But, you know, if they keep this up, they could do it. And, you know, and and I I grew up a Giants fan and a lot of disappointment through the years. But in 2010, 2012, 2014, when they won, you know, three World Series in five years, nobody expected it. You know, it was like we didn't have the big, huge star. I mean, Buster Posey was a star, I guess. But, yeah. they, they were scrappy teams, you know, and they, they would somehow, you know, they had the, they had the pitching, you know, and I think that's huge. Um, you have all these big hitting stars, you know, that, you know, Yankees, Aaron Judge and Mike Stanton, and you have these big name hitters, but I, I feel like it really comes down to pitching, you know. Is Rigetti still the pitching coach up there? No, he finally retired, I think, when Bochi uh, retired. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I... You know, this is a team sport, and and you know, with with all the big names and the flashy bat flips, and you know, and all the you know people being tweeted out and all the stuff, it, it comes down to the team winning. You know, and, that, and it's funny, like the Dodgers um, dominate during the regular season, but like it was always what Clayton Kershaw who couldn't who couldn't deliver in the playoffs. You know, in in his career, um, and you know. Last year he finally did, and but it was really the, their pitching and timely hitting is what you know gets through it. And so you don't need the big name home run hitter, you know what I mean, to win it all. But um, well, I think in baseball, it's I mean, when you bring up the Dodgers, I, I think managerial makes a big difference. Uh, Dave Roberts, the decisions he makes, you you scratch uh, your head. You just scratch your head. I agree with you 100. percent I mean, as a Giants fan, like you know. We're always rooting against the Dodgers. So yeah. seeing them in the playoffs the last three or four years, it was almost comical to see him make decisions that imploded them. You know, yeah. he literally cost them the World Series. You know, a few times, in my opinion. You know, in I, my I opinion, agree. I completely agree. Yeah, making pitching changes when you shouldn't have, or you should have, or you know, putting you know pulling hitters and putting pinch hitters, or you know, just. Uh, the hit and runs or not this or that or not doing this or not bunting people over or, you know, it's just, you know, he didn't, he, 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 it's almost like he had the talent to win it all and is what got them there. Then he had to stick his nose in it and try to play manager and screwed it up. Like he, you know, um, I agree with you. Like he, he, he was horrible. I mean, people would go to, to me like, Ron, how come you're not picking the Dodgers? Like, you, you never pick them. Never once do you pick the Dodgers. I go, two words, Dave Roberts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, said, I said, if there's somebody else in the dugout, I would probably pick the Dodgers because I don't hate the Dodgers. I just like Dave Roberts. Okay, that's, you just watch. It's like, it's like, it was like for me watching the Rangers play hockey with David Quinn as the, as the, man, as the coach. Uh, just like, this guy's killing me. He doesn't know what's going on in the game. He's not paying attention. He's like a robot. Oh, got to do yeah. this. You know, forget about the feel of the game. I'm just going to make this change. I mean, that's a whole other topic that yeah. you could start another show is the analytics of, you know what I mean? But, yeah. um, 
Like being a purist, being a purist, like you just, <clears throat> yeah, you got to make decisions based on what you think is going to happen, what's right. But <clears throat> um, a lot of it's gut, a lot of it is feeling, a lot of it is, um, you know, somebody's energy, somebody's <clears throat> riding their momentum. It's like, oh no, yeah, it's, you know, he's struck this guy out three times, but um, it's a nice ending. Let's put <clears throat> put in a lefty on lefty and <clears throat> screws up the whole thing. You know what I mean? And the whole analytics, you know, I get the analytics. I get it. You know what I mean? It's kind of, like uh, I said, it's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother podcast because we can talk about shifts and launch angles and, and, you know, (laughs) bunting and and intentional walks and, and everything else, like you said. So, um, but uh, yeah, this was great, Ted. I mean, I I mean, I I enjoy talking sports with somebody who's knowledgeable and not just a fan. You know, there's a difference between being knowledgeable and a fan, and you're definitely knowledgeable. So yeah, I I, I love you know seeing your tweets and and uh, I'm not, not a huge Twitter fan, but like whenever I see your tweets and I'll jump on on there every once in a while. But like I, I enjoy talking sports with people who are knowledgeable too that understand you know what's going on. Um, there's so many fans out there that say stuff they have no idea how to back it up or what they're saying and or you know or just saying it to get a rise out of people but um, yeah that's uh, the Rangers Twitter my work my, my it's, I, I, I gotta stay off Rangers Twitter because it drives me nuts I'll write something I'm like you know what this guy's not worth it delete <laughs> Yeah, I'm that's so why passionate I, about the Rangers. I'm just I stopped. Uh, I, I I used to tweet a lot, but like I I just I didn't. I get caught up in arguments and trying to convince people, or you know, and then you start getting people start getting you know personal or start you know it's like it's not worth it. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. So, uh, I love. I hate the personal I, stuff when people get yeah. personal to get it. You know, so. Hey, Ron, I, I I love this. I love talking sports with you. Um, you know, I I love your events and your parties and the Candy Magazine, and that's a whole other topic. Like with what just happened to Victoria's Secret, and you know. Oh, uh, we I, talked about that earlier this morning with the girls. Oh man! I, I, so I, anyway, I, that's another topic. Let you know this: uh, we are ten. We're ten. We're turned ten this August. Yes, and I'm so excited. We're celebrating September 11th with a with a party. I'll get the details out soon on it. So you want to put that on your calendar? We're red, white, and blue Patriot Day. Yes, it is. So I have to do that. Make reserve the date and uh, uh, let's let's do this again. You know, come up with some new topics. This was fun. I, I think I, I think the people are going to be. I think the people who listen to this will be ninety percent in agreement with what we said. So that's great. You know, and um, and the ten percent that aren't, you know, that's that's fine too. I mean, that's that's uh, that's why people have their opinions, and you know, um, as long as you can back it up, you know. So okay, anything you want to close out with? Well, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, thank you for having me. And, um, you know, I, I don't post a lot on uh, Twitter or anything, but you can follow me on my Instagram, at Ted Mayer. Um, and I look forward to talking to you more about more things and, and going to your parties. And, you know, us straight guys uh, still yeah. need a, a way to um, enjoy ourselves without being me too or, or look shunned on or... Um, you know, having to say I'm a his, he, him, whatever, but, uh, <laughs> oh, God, I so, I so hard to stay away from that stuff. I just, oh, yeah, I, 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 just, I I'm an easy target. You know that. So yeah. I, I, I gotta just sometimes shut up. So I know. So, but I'm glad you do what you do. Uh, and I look forward to jumping on here in the future and doing more topics of sports and, and, and 
and women. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? In a month, we got the uh, NFL training camp, so that would be a good good thing to talk about. So. I would love to talk, yeah. Football. We didn't even touch football, and I'm a huge Rams fan with the with the season tickets. I'm I know. I want to talk about that with you next time. So, okay. All right, man. All right. Have a good rest of your day. All right, buddy? You too. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Take Seth. care. Bye.